Hello and welcome everyone to episode 77 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I am joined as always by my host, Matt, my co-host, Matt. Um, what's going on this week, brother? Not too much. Another week. Uh, honestly, my back's been sore. We've been playing golf lately. Yeah. That we, After we played at the the par three down there, I, we did like half hour at the range, Zach and I, and... I fucking like cranked some balls. I got my technique down a little bit better. Yeah. My stance, I have like mentally, I know what to do now to prepare myself. And I feel more confident when I approach the tee box now. Yeah, that's good. Standing over the ball, if you can get your confidence up, that's always a <clears throat> a really big step. Um, I know I've been kind of undergoing a little bit of a swing change, but I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sick, guys, by the way, if you can't hear. I have some weird upper respiratory infection, but it's not COVID uh, or anything else. It's not the flu. It's not strep. They double tested me for all of them, and it's neither. So I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me, but I feel like like hot trash. Um, back to golf, though. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I, I shot my best round ever after we played the par three um, that morning. I went and played mm-hmm. it at my club, um, and... Uh, shot at 88, which is not a beautiful score for most mid-handicappers, but for a high-handicapper like myself, somebody that's just getting back into the game after a long hiatus, it's a pretty good score. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's all about practice, too. I mean, the more you practice, the more you get confidence, the more you get in a routine. It's like kicking a soccer ball. Uh, and You know how to move your foot and then move your club in different directions or open or closed in order to to get the desired result shot pass whatever you know drawing the equivalencies yeah um and that's just such a big thing and the more really the only way to get better at golf is um is to play and i have played quite a bit um but it's nice to see it's golf is one of those things like you can see the results every single time you play and Mm. it's an exact science which which is pretty good um it's really <clears throat> concrete. You can get your results like, you know, lickety split because you're going to see how that ball comes off the club face. You're going to see where it lands and there's not really much else for you to figure out in between. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I'm glad you and Zach are kind of get back into it too. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot. I want to go out there more and play yeah. on different courses to test myself out and get a little liking, keeping track of my scores. It's just, uh, just to challenge competition against myself really so hopefully we can play sometime next week yeah um uh, that'd be awesome i got a couple if you really want to test yourself there's there's i have a course in mind um it'll be an absolute nightmare but it's always fun bring a couple beers and you get through the round you know even if it's a bad round it's fun yeah I'm all totally right open to that. cool um all right let's move into the prem i don't think there's anything else i want to touch on before we get into this uh there's a couple games well, there was a lot of games, but there's a couple games that Matt and I want to touch on specifically. Um, the first one would be Newcastle versus City. This game ended with a scoreline of 4-3, to three, Manchester City being the victors. Cancelo scored in the 39th, and Ferran Torres got himself his first Premier League hat-trick with one in the 42nd, 64th, and 66th. Uh, Newcastle were the team to score first, with Emil Kraft scoring in the 25th. And then Jolinton scoring a penalty in the <clears throat> stoppage time for the first half. And Joe Willock, Arsenal Loney, and Cold-Blooded Killer scoring in the 62nd. Now, City were playing catch-up in this game. 
Uh, Kraft, obviously, the first score. Uh, Jack Cancelo drew them level right before halftime, but Jolinton secured the lead once more. <clears throat> Actually, that's not true. Uh, Ferran Torres scored, and then Jolinton drew them level before halftime. Um, but it was the Ferran Torres show in the second half. Um, that Joe Willick goal wasn't enough to cancel out the other two from Torres. And really, just another City masterclass. This is the first time we've seen that City defense waver a little bit. And I was surprised to see it happen against Newcastle, who are a fairly static team uh, when it comes to attacking. But they played really well. Uh, it was kind of nice to see them to see them sharp up top. Um, that back line was, was not so great. I mean, they let four... Uh, four past it is city, but yeah, it, it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting affair. Uh, haven't seen haven't seen one of these thrillers in a while. It was really nice to to see Ferran Torres breaking out too. Yeah, his second goal was up there, top five goals of the season. Yeah, it was the awesome. free kick on the back heel. That was awesome to see. But yeah, I mean, looking at the lineups and hindsight's always twenty twenty. But you have an inexperienced pairing of. Ake, who hasn't had a lot of minutes this season or yeah. throughout the course of the season due He's to injury injured. and whatnot, and just being picked over by Diaz and Stones and Garcia, who's another center back in there who they got from Barcelona a few years ago, and he's he's very young as well. So they weren't used to playing together, and the inexperience showed. And I thought Saint Maximin was a big, big, vital player in this team. He's so creative going forward, and silky smooth on the ball and joe willock scored five games and five or five goals in five games now and then the sheffield game that followed he scored six and six so him and mason greenwood this time of the year are pretty deadly but um yeah i thought this was a great great result for city it just shows their championship mentality with the squad and how deep they are as a team and i mean you had scott carson in goal on loan from Darby, he's like 45 years old. Yeah, uh, getting the start over Stefan and Ederson, and he made the penalty save. Obviously, Willock followed it up, but still, like you're seeing guys like that play championship level level play uh, in the Prem for a championship team. So it's good for them. And I thought Newcastle played up to their competition here. They did well and showed how much uh, better their form is this time of the year compared to where they were uh, early springtime, where they were really in that relegation talk. But they pulled themselves out, and I thought this was a great game to start the week off with. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a thriller, like I said. Uh, really sharp performance from from both teams. Uh, good to see that City can like, kind of <clears throat> knuckle down still and get it done when they have to, even in these these weeks where we're winding down the season. There's not really much uh, for them to play for. You know, they, they won. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, th- this was the game where that was sealed, right? I think I saw Pep smoking a cigar after this one. Yeah, that was the one that sealed it. But I think it was even before that because I think uh, United dropped dropped the result. Yeah, because they lost to um, Liverpool. Oh yeah, yeah, that was they that lost was the Liverpool, and then they uh, lost to Leicester as well. The prior game, so they had to get wrapped up for a while. But yeah, it's always funny seeing like managers outside of the game just doing daily things like we would do just like singing songs and smoking a stogie and stuff like that it's always fun to see uh when they accomplish a, a goal they set out at the beginning of the year so yeah yeah it was a good match um we'll move on burnley versus leeds a very unfortunate result for burnley who have secured their safety but failed to impress in this match klitsch harrison and rodrigo were the goal scorers rodrigo had two to his name and 
I will be honest, it was an attacking affair. Burnley had themselves a couple chances, uh, 16 shots, four on target. The position, the possession was split pretty evenly, and then similar attacking uh, shot stats, rather, uh, four leads, 16 shots, six of those on target. And it's wild. If you look at the stats here, <clears throat> you wouldn't think that this was a dominant leads performance, but I assure you it was. There is a sharpness in the Leeds team that I really have been able to find all season long that you aren't finding in other mid-table clubs. Burnley, I don't know if I would even classify them as a mid-table club. Uh, they're towards that bottom, you know, bottom eighth, um, just scathing by, uh, you know, in the relegation battle. But it was mm-hmm. a great performance for Leeds. I, I really think it's important for this club especially to carry some momentum moving into the summer months. I don't know what their tune-up is going to look like um, in the summer. A lot of these bigger clubs, I mean, Burnley and Leeds both, they're not big clubs. Leeds is bigger, but um, their tune-up schedule is pretty rigorous if you're looking at top six clubs. They play friendlies. They play an international ball, and you're not going to see a ton of the guys on, on Leeds or Burnley. A couple. Uh, Pope, uh, obviously, for Burnley, and I don't know if Bamford got an England call-up or not. But some guys will get some Euro ball, but a lot of guys won't. So I think it's important at the end of the season for them to be playing sharp, um, staying focused, and and really trying to carry that into next season because that's going to be important. Yeah, if Leeds can play their cards right and a couple of results go their way, they could finish as high as eighth yeah, above our Everton and Arsenal. So that could boost boost their momentum heading into the following year. I mean, even if they finish where they are now, they can't finish anywhere below 10th, which... For your first season, first first season back in the Premier League since like the nineties, like you finished tenth, like that's a great achievement to to have. And I mean, they're the only promoted team that stayed up out of the three that were obviously Fulham and West Brom. The other two gone right back down. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see what they do in the summertime, investment wise. I definitely think they need to invest in some defense because. Uh, giving up 53 goals and still finishing the top 10 is insane. Uh, but that comes with their attackers providing their goals, and you can't expect them all to stay this summer. I'm sure one or two might be lured away to some uh, more established, prestigious clubs, whether that's in England or abroad. You never know. Money always call. Money always talks, and those guys are always wanting more and more wages. So should be interesting to see what they do business wise. But I'm sure. I'm sure they'll come back and look and do improve on this season yeah <clears throat> it'll be really interesting to see how everything pans out next season i'm so curious because promoted clubs like leeds i'm riding high on them still so i'll be really curious to see how they perform next season uh you know we've seen we've seen that fall off sheffield being uh a kind of a, a stunning example of that uh can be ugly in that second season in the prem so we'll see um moving on southampton three our Fulham one. Uh, che Adams, Nathan Tella, and Theo Walcott, ex Arsenal product, um, all scored. And then Fabio Carvalho um, got one back towards the the end um, in the seventy fifth. Shitty performance for Fulham. They are they're out of it for sure. They've been out of it for I don't know nine, ten straight weeks now since the Liverpool win for the most part. Yep. And uh, although they did get some shots on target and they did control the possession, not really anything going for them. Not really much to play for. Um, this wasn't the the story later on. I think there's another. Did they play another match this week? 
Yeah. The yeah, it was one, the one, one against draw. United. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, really bad performance from, from Fulham in this one. I don't have a ton to say about it. Again, Southampton scoring a couple goals. Uh, that's good. They had they had a really tough part in uh, the middle of the season where they were just in a goal drought. So it's good to see everybody kind of back and scoring for them. But uh, not not much to say other than that. Yeah, Southampton's finishing the season nice and strong. Che Adams is putting a few good performances in uh, with Ings being absent. And then you have uh, Theo Walcott signing a permanent deal with Southampton now. And I think Tella is an Arsenal product. So they're finding little pieces here and there to add on and build a program around for the future. But yeah, Southampton's always a a club in the Premier League that's very well known for their youth academy and getting guys to that next level. Obviously, Liverpool that has been in the past just taking players year after year from them uh, with the likes of Ricky Lambert, Mane, uh, Adam Lallana, and the list goes on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Lovren there for a year or two. Nathan Klein. Yeah, Nathaniel Klein. Like it, it, We can go on with another eight or nine guys, but they're definitely a team that is an established Premier League team. And yeah, there were times this season that it did look shaky. I mean, they're on the same level with Newcastle, uh, well-established clubs in the Prem, but um, it should be interesting what they do in the summer as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll be curious. They're not a club that has a ton of money, you know. No. Like you said, um, a lot of their business is done in selling players on, but they don't they don't typically splash a lot. They either get older English players or players that were once part of their system moved on and are now trying to move back. And <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see. Um, I want to apologize for my voice, guys, if you're listening. Um, also, I have a cough drop in because I, my my throat's just absolutely raw. Um, I wouldn't be able to speak if I, if I wasn't chewing on cough drops all day. Um, moving on, Brighton one, West Ham one. You you had something to say about this game, so I'll let you I'll let you take the reins. Yeah, I called this game being a draw at the beginning of the week. Um, uh, even our results. Our predictions for this week: We both finished five and five. It's good for the match, or five and three. Sorry for the match week thirty six, and then I don't think we had anything in time for the thirty seventh. But I probably would have finished around five hundred as well. Um, but yeah, I called this game being a draw. It made sense to me. Uh, West Ham. I did say a couple weeks ago that they would fall down the pecking order in the league. They were as high as as fourth at one point, and now Liverpool's gotten hot. Chelsea's picked up the slack, and they've just been falling off the wheel. Um, down in six now, they could finish even in seventh if Tottenham get their stuff together even. So um, it was late on that Brighton got their goal from Danny Welbeck, who has had good moments this season coming in late in the January transfer window to Brighton. Um, he started out hot and got cold, and now he's kind of picked up a few a few matches here and there. And then uh, another signing that West Ham made this season, Said Ben Rama, Algerian international, scored an 87 minute equalizer to save West Ham a point, uh, keeping them alive for that top six Europa League finish. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how West Ham have kind of fallen off with uh, their form. And we were at times talking about Jesse Lingard being a must keep signing for West Ham. And he was player of the season, or we were even talking about transfer of the season. And now it's kind of like he's kind of fallen out of the media and the headlines, uh, putting five performances in a row without being in the in the score in the scoring column or even getting assists. So I think that's just an interesting th- thing to see here. Yeah, um, I, I, it's a strange thing. The English media—you see players pop in and out of headlines. Um, 
there was kind of like a disdain for Jesse Lingard, and then obviously he popped into the headlines, and he was everybody was all about him, and now back to back to nothing. Um, I think next season, I think he will West Ham will retain him, and he'll he'll start to find a middling form. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be sky high like he he has been uh, at points this season, but I do think that that he'll do a, a service for West Ham, and I think he can be one of those stalwart guys that's always giving you something. Right? It, it may not be yeah. <clears throat> two or three goals or going an assist or two assists a game, um, but it it will be something, and I think he does have a value. Um, past couple weeks, maybe hurting his transfer value a little bit moving yeah, into the summer, just, just a little bit, you know, maybe knocking 10 mil off that price tag. Um, and I say a little as if 10 mils, nothing, but, um, yeah, so we'll have to see that. That'll be an interesting one. Um, I, I certainly will have my eyes all over those transfers this summer because especially when the euros are going on, shit gets so crazy. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Matt and I will be doing some reporting on that, I am certain. Uh, moving on, Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 2. I think I was wrong. I think I picked Villa in this game. Yeah, I backed the man down here. Yeah, this was an absolute screamer. John McGinn opened the scoring for Aston Villa in the 17th minute, only for Benteke to draw Palace level in the 32nd. Then Anwar Ghazi drew Villa uh, ahead again in the 34th. And it was quiet for quite a while. Halftime came, halftime went, and then about 20 minutes after, or 30 minutes rather, after that halftime whistle, Wilfred Zaha scored in the 76th. Tyrick Mitchell added one in the 84th to seal the win. So a late winner, stealing the three points for Palace. Uh, this came after, after or before the news um, that Steve Bruce would be retiring from, from top flight football. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But news nonetheless. Um, a really good attacking performance for Palace. This goes to show how strong they can be when they have everybody in. As I did pick up an injury in training after this game that's set to put him out until after the new year, so that's quite a problem. But when you have Eze and, and a quick, pacey player like Andros Townsend, who we haven't seen a ton this season, but... Um, it was good to see him in here. He looked all right. Plus Benteke and Zaha. Um, it's really nice because Benteke's got a lot of gas left in the tank. He's been all right this season. I know he's been all around uh, all around the league in terms of where he's played for, but he's really kind of nestled himself into a spot here at Palace, and he looks good. And then obviously um, Wilf, I mean, he's he's fantastic. And it's nice to see everybody kind of firing on all syllable, or syllables, cylinders here. Really good result for Palace. Villa, not in the best of form recently, but a solid side nonetheless. Um, so, you know, good result. Cheers for to Palace for this one. I'd have to note for Aston Villa, I mean, Ollie Watkins has been a an absolute steal for them um, from Brighton uh, over the summer. He scored 14 goals in the Premier League in his first season, which is absolutely crazy for the team that Aston Villa are right now. They kind of lack that attacking drive without Jack Grealish in there and Watkins has picked up the slack along with El Ghazi here he also got on the score sheet and uh, other wingers in that team like Bertrand Traore and um who else I'm forgetting anyway though they're picking up goals here and there and they're not getting they're not getting blown out they're competitive they're a competitive team that's always in these games they have solid players it's just 
that X factor that can get them uh, over the line in these matches. It just comes down to game management. I don't know if those players are experienced enough like other teams, uh, meaning talking about like the bigger clubs uh, that can really move them up the ladder in the table. So I just thought that was interesting that Watkins has scored 14. I'm sure he'll probably score uh, next week here against uh, Chelsea. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Moving on, we have Tottenham 2, Wolves nil. Tottenham managed to get a result over a team they certainly needed to get a result over. Harry Kane scored in the 45th, right before stoppage time. And Hoiberg scored in the 62nd, seal Wolves' fate. There was never really any chance of Wolves winning this game. Tottenham led an offensive barrage against a Wolves defense who really just looks, I mean, slow at points. Um, they have they have a solid, solid back line as well. You have Connor Cody club captain as well as Roman Saiz who's been all right this season and then Semedo who is experienced and quite pacey um but just a really really flat performance from them a really good strong performance from Kane you saw Delhi get some time here Son and Bale also in there no Lucas but a really strong lineup for Tottenham they didn't really need um everybody to beat this Wolves team uh, but it was nice to see Harry Kane score in probably the last time he'll play for Tottenham. Uh, after all the news has come out that, you know, he is requesting a move and, and wants to be gone. Um, but a good result overall for Tottenham. Not a ton to say about this game. A lot of shots. A lot of shots on target. And uh, really dominant performance for Tottenham. Yeah, this this was the first game, I think, that they let fans loud in the, the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw after the game... Harry Kane going around applauding all the fans at the stadium, uh, probably for the last time. Like you said, his last goal, probably score in the in the, the her home stadium. So, I mean, he's come out and said, like in reports, saying that he's never said he's going to play at Tottenham the rest of his career or that he plans on leaving England. So, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of rumors going on until the in, until the coming months. But I definitely do think he'll stay in England. He's definitely going to try to break uh, Alan Shearer's record of all-time goals in the Premier League. I think that's definitely a self-goal that he's been trying to do, and he's pretty good on track for it. So that would be my tip for where he's leaning towards. I'm sure it'll be Man United. There's rumors that they're keeping Cavani for a year. Uh, He's a good backup if they get Harry Kane, so then their striker problems aren't as as needed they don't they wouldn't have to play Rashford out of position up there he can go back to a winger role uh probably sell Marty on get some money back for him and invest into that right wing spot so there's a lot of different things that can happen but it's all speculations at the end of the day yeah that's the truth uh so we'll move on from this one into the next one where we have West Brom just barely just barely losing to Liverpool this was one of the most unbelievable moments that won Liverpool the game. And we'll talk first about what happened in the rest of the game. Um, Hal Robson Kanu, one of actually this guy. I used to yeah. play. I used to play FIFA co-op seasons with my friend Tim. We used to play as the Welsh national team. Now, I don't know if Robson Kanu has changed his affiliation country-wise because usually these guys can switch from Wales to, to Scotland to England. Like, it, If you have dual citizenship, you can play for whoever you want. They kind of recruit you. And Hal Robson was always the left-wing choice. You had Bale. You kind of put him wherever you wanted. You had Ramsey, mm-hmm. Joe Ledley, and Joe Allen. 
I remember the entire team. And then Hal Robson. And he was a slow bastard, like 68 pace. So when he scored in this game, I was like, oh my God, Hal Robson is going to be the undoing of fucking Liverpool. And then, and then obviously, Mo got one back in the 33rd, but it was quiet uh, after that. And I, I really didn't know what to expect. Liverpool were certainly the dominant side. Registering 26 shots, they had a ton of offensive opportunities, and they dominated the possession. I mean, one of the most dominant possession performances I've seen in the past couple of weeks, 77% to yeah. West Brom's 23. West Brom playing from behind, trying their absolute best to kind of hunker down, but they just couldn't. And they did a really, really, really solid job of trying to, to, to keep them from coming in. But it was ultimately the Allison header in the 95th minute that was that was West Brom's undoing, and I mean it was a magical moment. This is why we watched the game. It was one of the most unbelievable headers I've ever seen, struck so perfectly, so beautifully. I'll let you explain some, but oh man, it was special. Yeah, I think that was the defining moment of Liverpool's season so far, and I think it was the. It couldn't have happened to a better player uh, for them this season yeah, with what Allison's gone through with his father and not being able to go home for the funeral and dealing with his own personal issues here. It's just, it's an emotional moment for him and the team. And you, you could see the celebrations as soon as he scored. Everybody ran to him to celebrate. You could see the players and the staff on the bench just absolutely losing their minds, not only because of a goalie scoring header, but him in particular, just in what he's gone through. So. That, I think that was a defining moment for Liverpool and really put them in the driver's seat to finish in top four after after what they went through at the beginning of the year with Virgil van Dijk being out for the season. You have Joel Matip uh, with his injuries every once in a while. And uh, out of nowhere, you see Joe Gomez go down from international duty and it's just the injuries pile on and morale, your morale kind of hit takes a hit when you see all your key guys go down. And for them to hunker down and guys pulling up the bootstraps and hunkering in for a wild season to come out and potentially finish top four. They need to take care of their business this Sunday, but it, this I would say if I was a Liverpool fan, this would be a successful season after what it began as. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know. Liverpool have had such a, a roller coaster this season. Um, Going into this, I thought it'd be a dominant Liverpool season again. I thought they'd be the team to come out on top, and yeah. City just came out, I mean, firing, and they never stopped. They they had a tiny little hiccup for like two weeks, and that was it. They were yeah, I mean, just, there was one point they were in ninth. Like I know. The first six, seven weeks, we were like, holy, why is Man City in ninth right now? Yeah. And like, it was just, it, nobody couldn't explain it, and then it just, they just turned it on around that November time. And they just frame. and then they didn't lose for like fifteen straight games or twenty straight yep. games. It it's was like nineteen or something. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. It was kind of it was like unlike anything I've seen in modern time. And I know Liverpool were really good last season, but even they looked mortal at at some points. And City just didn't look mortal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not a huge Liverpool guy. Uh, dislike a lot of their players, but I think Allison's class. I think he's a great keeper. Seems like an emotional guy, down to earth guy, very committed to the game, hard worker. And I think it's it's really nice when you see these kind of moments happen to these kind of guys. Um, and I was really I was really happy to see that. So, um, you know, g- good on Liverpool supporters and good on Allison. 
Um, really nice to see. Um, but we will move on. If you guys didn't see that goal, I recommend you looking up the YouTube because it will give you chills. Even if you're not, you know, even if you're not a huge soccer person, it will give you chills. It's like Kobe hitting a game winner, or, or you know what I mean. It's it's really something special. I thought it was funny how we our spe- our uh, our idea about him is like we did like a t- complete 180 because there was times where. He was absolutely having horrible matches, and you were saying that you'd rather have a, a corpse of Dita in goal. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, he was he was having some howlers. Yeah, he was. It's, it's fair. I'm not arguing against it, but it's fair just, coverage I, on this show. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. I just think it's awesome to see how 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 fast uh, their season can just turn Comes around back in around. weeks. Yeah, I agree. That's what makes. I mean, that's what makes the prem so special. It's turning things on and and off, and that's. Yeah, I don't think you see the change in form week to week, in well, like when you watch the NBA or anything like that. Even the NFL, you don't get. It's not the same. Um, because I feel like you see the teams play more when you're watching the prem and they they play one Premier League game a week and you start to, to look at the form, the strings. I mean, it's it's really it's interesting to watch. And uh Liverpool, you know, on the on the up trajectory, uh we'll see how that pans out for them next season. I think they're gonna be losing some players. So yeah, interesting. Uh next one, Everton nil, Sheffield United one. Everton down historically bad. I mean, this is horrible. They let a 17-year-old Daniel Jebison, who I have never fucking heard of before in my entire life, score on them in the seventh minute. And then from there on out, they did absolutely nothing. While they did yep. dominate possession and uh, they did also top Sheffield in shots and shots on target, they just didn't get anything done. I mean, they just lack of the ferocity that they operated with at the very beginning of the season. You had some players playing out of position here. Seamus Coleman playing as some sort of midfield winger. He's too old for that nonsense. James um, playing in the middle of the park. DCL, Richarlison, Decore, and Allen. So there's not really an excuse here. Um, Digne's been back for a long time now. Mason Holgate, he's been in the team for quite a bit now as well as a mainstay. And then you have Keane and Godfrey in the middle. These guys know the drill. There's no reason for you to be losing to Sheffield. They're fucking horrible. Um, but I guess good for Jebison. Nice job. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, this was. I think it's. Terrible. I think it's. Embar- I think it's most embarrassing for uh, Brewster. You get. Yeah. Like, I've said this multiple times throughout the year. It's like you get bought as the club record transfer signing, thirty million dollars, uh, to come in and kind of get that ten goals to get them around that 40-point mark of safety and can't get one. And then just Sheffield, heck and bottom, just puts a 17-year-old academy boy in there and his first, his debut start in the Premier League and for the team, the senior team, and he just grabs a goal within the first half. I think that's kind of embarrassing for all those first-team guys. But, yeah, it's good signs of him. It just puts in that, it shows all the hard work you put in and the film, watching the film and all that, and uh, your PT and all that stuff. It can work out to pull off a crazy upset over Everton, which looked like a standard Everton result for me, uh, getting them right around where we probably predicted them to finish around eighth, ninth. Yeah, it's I don't know. They look so good in their early season. I mean, they just look horrible now. Um, they lack an urgency. They lack an awareness, and that's a problem. You can't do that in I this mean, league. I mean, this last week, if Sheffield loses, they'll have the record for the most losses. Yeah. 
I mean, it's very possible. Who they take on? They took on Burnley? Oh, I don't know. That's a shit fest. We'll have to see how that one pans out. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Coughing. Go ahead. Keep going. Christ, uh, Christ almighty. Sheffield's got more wins than Fulham and West Brom. Yeah. That is that is sad. That is indeed sad. Those teams have a lot of draws. That's where that that's what that's about. Oh my god, thirteen for Fulham. That's fucking insane. That's so fucking insane. I um, mean, the next match here, there was one of them. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, we'll we'll move on. We have we have this match that that Matt's foreshadowing. I'm gonna let him take the reins here and tell you about it. Yeah, you rest your voice. So we had a Man United slip up, continuing on after their absolutely ridiculous uh, scheduling due to the protests, putting everything together. Um, a one-one draw against Fulham. Uh, crazy result for Fulham. This was the first time that Old Trafford had fans in it. Uh, from the get-go, it wasn't like people protest ran in unexpectedly. This was a fanfare event, sold tickets and everything. I uh, had the Glazers out signs ready and going. Uh, I think Joel Glazer, co-chairman, came out and said that he's going to come out, meet the fans in person, and try to just talk to them. And there's nothing they can do really at this point. It's just it's been going on for so long that nobody wants to hear from them until they can actually get results going. The only way people will go easy on them is if they can win a league or a Champions League. That would be the only thing in my mind that will calm down the flames. But it it's going to continue on until they're gone. But for this game in particular, uh, Cavani scored his first ever goal in front of fans. Uh, it was an absolute dime. Uh, Dean Henderson pretty much clears it out of the box. Bruno Fernandez, cheeky little flick through the middle. And Cavani from about 30 yards out chips it perfectly over uh, Areola in goal. It was just an absolute class goal from Cavani, who's absolutely turned it on these last yeah. few weeks. I mean, now he's sitting on he's sitting on 10 goals now. Uh, in the Prem now, which is from the beginning of the year, you thought would be that standard number for him. But I mean, he scored about he scored four of them in the last in the last seven weeks. Where before that, he had six in about twenty. So he's turned it on these last couple of weeks, and he's getting the minutes. Mar- Martial's basically out of the squad now, and yeah. nobody else plays up front there really. Maybe he'll slide Rashford up there for a little bit, but. He's kind of filled in that role, and he signed another year uh, deal with the club, which I didn't see coming. I thought he was going to leave after, um, in February, the whole Instagram incident with the comments, uh, cultural clashes with the language barrier, uh, which I thought the FA completely fucked up on. I thought they were the ones being racist and insensitive rather than him. So, But that's my take on that. But um, I'm glad to see he's getting paid out. Uh, we'll see what other business they do. We were talking about Harry Kane potentially going there. So, uh, but for Fulham to get a draw out of this game, I did not. I definitely did not see with the form they're in, and with the teams they play and come up against and their performances, I did not see them getting a draw here. Joe Bryan did get the equalizer, uh, which uh, playing fullback did not see that coming. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a consolation game for Fulham. Just for record, get a point at Old Trafford is nice for them to leave for, and to, for Scott Parker to have on his record. But other than that, there's nothing else really to say. This game kind of didn't really mean anything because Man United's already locked up second place. There's, it's impossible for Chelsea or Liverpool to catch up to them, and they've been they've been out of the running for the champ for the for the 
for the top spot since the beginning of the year really yeah so they've just been in they've just been in the in no man's land really in second place and i mean it shows in their last three matches obviously with the scheduling but they've gotten one point in their last three matches which is poor from them um but yeah i mean nothing really else this is one of the pointless games that didn't have much on the line but yeah yeah good result for fulham nice to see the guys still grinding um, even, yeah. even though it's, I think it's more of an indictment of this United team right now um, in the form they're in than it is of Fulham's performance. But uh, moving I, on, go ahead. I was just going to say, I did see Bruno Fernandez have comments saying that he'd love to sit one-on-one with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and get his take on his performances and what he can improve on, which is, I think, a very smart thing to do and take advantage of. The guy's at every single game. He's loyal. And yeah. to have somebody of his his prestige and his... Uh, his his re- with his resume and his track record, I think is definitely somebody you want to be in contact with about the game and what you can improve on. He's definitely somebody that will help you. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't see that quote, so that that's awesome. Um, that mm-hmm. that'd be a great idea, I think, for Bruno. Um, <clears throat> I'd be really curious to see what he has to say too. Um, uh, moving on, Southampton nil, Leeds two. Uh, good result for Leeds. Two good ones in a row here. Patrick Bamford in the seventy third. Tyler Roberts. American, I think he is, uh, in the 95th. So two really nice uh, nice goals for them. Leeds were the dominant side in terms of offensive statistics, uh, although Southampton slightly edged Leeds in the possession department. This win put Leeds further, or rather cemented them further, into 10th place, um, whereas Southampton are once again... Uh, moving down in that table at 43, just one point ahead of Newcastle and one point behind Crystal Palace. They're in 14th. Terrible season for them. Um, yeah. Just just a you know, good result from Leeds. Like I said, we were talking about that momentum that you want to carry into um, not only the Euros for the guys that got their call-ups, um, but the, the, the season that follows. So really good result for Leeds. Yeah, Bamford's another guy who's had a crazy year. He's got 16 goals now in the league, which is yeah. something I think I said around January. I said if he can get to that 15 to 20 range, I think that'd be a great year for him being back in the league and uh, showing up against the big clubs that he is a uh, force to be reckoned with. And I'm sure he'll stay there next year. He might get a, a contract extension to get him get himself paid well. But uh, if not, I could definitely see him moving up in the ladder. Yeah, be really interesting. Uh, moving on, we have Brighton 3, Manchester City 2. The Seagulls were the ones to undo the mighty Manchester City. Um, this was the first half domination from City. Gundogan in the second, who we haven't seen m- score much in this later you know, quarter of the season. He kind of cooled off after that really fire run that he had. Um, and then Foden scored in the 48th, and it was the City show for the first 50 minutes until things turned. And, I mean, things went bad. I forgot to mention that Cancelo got red in the 10th minute. That's important for the context. Uh, that was a game changer. Of, of what we're about to discuss. Yeah, I mean, he covers so much ground. That's a huge loss. Um, Trossard scored in the 50th. Webb scored in the 72nd. And then Dan Byrne scored in the 76th. To cap off a, a you know, a three-goal comeback. That's not that's very hard to do even against a city team that has 10 men. And yeah. I I will say this city this city team has been sloppier in defense in the past 5 or 6 weeks. 
We've seen it yep. a couple times. We saw it the week before. We saw it this week. And there was another game where I think they let in three goals. So, I mean, that's not great. Um, I don't think it's it's really anything that we have to read into, especially because there's really only the Champions League left now to play for, and then it's a full reset. Um, and you're going to have full-strength defenders in there for for your UCL tie. So I'm not too worried about it. But it is interesting to consider nonetheless. Really good result for Brighton. Nice to see that they're exhibiting some grit. I'll be curious to see how things pan out for them next season as well. If they can retain Welbeck and get him in, um, to a more, I don't know, uniform um, or steady role, I think that he can actually provide a really, really nice service uh, for Brighton. They need to get Mopai out. I think he's a cancer. Um, but, yeah, but yeah it's, it's really interesting. I saw the other day that, <clears throat> I don't know what match this was in, but the teammates had to like restrain Mopai because he called, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Mike Dean or somebody else, they called him a fucking clown or something, which is something that I would do. But like, you just you you can't have your team, um, can't have your team having to come to your rescue and like restrain you because you're about to go at the ref. It's just fucking weak. Yeah, he's just a big hothead, and I definitely yeah. think uh, locking Welbeck to another year is good. But I think long term, he's not your guy. He's I agree. Yeah, he's he's injury prone. You've seen throughout the year, he's had hamstring issues and whatnot. So they definitely need to reinvest, and I don't see them making a huge leap in the table. I definitely think they're a lower mid mid uh second half table team right now they just don't have the funds to bring in an immense amount of talent into the club and it's not a very desirable place to go play at so it's a very big project to do there on the south coast at brighton but um i definitely think they can stick around for a little while if they keep graham potter i think he's a great manager to have there Uh, he's got a good tactical mind uh pep guardiola has obviously complimented him there were heated words after this match um, between the managers and the staff uh, with how the game finished. I think uh, they were wanting Dan Byrne off sides or something. Uh, towards the end, VAR didn't come into play, which a lot of the times it does, which was surprising. Uh, Phil Foden, I think, had a great match. He he had a great solo goal in the 48th minute, dribbling through everybody down the left side and putting it past Sanchez, who also had a phenomenal game and goal. He's had a a breakout year and he solidified himself uh, as that starting goalkeeper and made uh, made Brighton's investment in him worthwhile selling Matt Ryan to Arsenal. So I think they're going the right direction. And then they did all this without their captain, Lewis Dunk, who's been out with a red card. So uh, good, good, a great result for Brighton. Yeah, really, really nice to see. Um, I like to see things mix, you know, especially when there's not a ton on the line. It's good to see these smaller teams um, beating the bigger teams, just exhibiting that power that they may be afraid yeah. to, to show off um, earlier on in the season when things matter a little bit more. Yeah, it was awesome to see the fans there. Just have the yeah, first great. game back, that type of match is something a, a fan has been waiting for for over a year now. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll move on to an FA Cup rematch. This was Chelsea's... <clears throat> um. Uh, return to glory redemption whatever you want to call it sorry i had a breakdown in my mind there uh rudiger opened the scoring in the second half uh with a goal for himself jorginho tucked a penalty away in the 66 i know that's not your boy i know you're not a fan of him but it was a good penalty um that was that was a 2-0 lead for chelsea i wasn't until the 76th that kalechi um who has slowed down a bit in his scoring uh in that crazy scoring run that he had 
Uh, he scored in the 76th to just take one back for Leicester, but that wasn't enough. Chelsea were the much better side this day. Uh, 59 to 41 in possession. Uh, a lot more attacking chances for Chelsea. They just looked a lot sharper up front. Uh, there was even this, they even wore the same kits uh, that they wore in the FA Cup. They wore those uh, Leicester wore those maroon ones uh, that mm-hmm. I like so much, but they couldn't harness that magic that they had in the FA Cup. Um, and and Chelsea were the team that came out on top. It was a really strong uh, strong lineup for both sides as well. You had Ndidi and Telemans in the middle, Albrighton, Thomas out on the left, and you have Madison and Perez. Perez, not so hot, but uh, Madison and Vardy at least. I mean, you know, really mainstays in this side alongside yeah. Telemans. But Chelsea played a really strong lineup too. Conte, Jorginho, Pulisic, Mount, Werner, all the main guys. A really strong back line, good performance from them. Um, and they were the ones that, that really pulled away. So it was good to see Chelsea get one back, especially after Leicester were kind of disrespecting their uh, locker room after the FA Cup uh, yep. FA Cup victory. So um, I don't usually say fuck Leicester a lot, but I think that's a little disrespectful. So fuck you, Leicester. I'm glad Chelsea won this one. Yeah, I'm surprised you said that, even though you absolutely hate Chelsea. But I, do, I, think yeah. John, I think Johnny Evans was a massive loss for uh, Leicester's structure in the back, having to put... Castagna back there as one of the center backs when he does much better as the wing back. Um, Jamie Vardy was quiet, but I, we were saying this on the golf course the other day and about Timo Werner and VAR. He, I looked it up, and he scored 12 goals in all competitions this year, um, and he scored 14 that were ruled out due to VAR or offsides. So in reality, he scored 26 goals yeah, if you don't count them being insane. out. So he's he is a very dangerous player, and I think the media heavily underrates him yeah and i mean he's just somebody that you need to nurture and he's gotten over that hump in my opinion of getting goals and being creative and being involved and i think mason mount had an absolute wonderful game here uh he was just awarded the player of the season at the club which is much deserved uh i definitely see him being a future captain of the club once as moves on um if mason mount sticks around and keeps his form up like this uh, it's definitely something i want to see uh, Jorginho and penalties and that is an absolute lock. He he does the hop and the skip, and as soon as he pops up in the air, he just he's looking at the goalie the whole time, waiting for them to make that one uh, motion in a certain direction. He just goes the opposite as soon as he as soon as they do. Uh, he's got that on lock. I don't know what's going to happen this summer with him if he goes back to Italy or not. I don't see him playing anywhere else. Uh, but sorry was the one that brought him in, and I don't know what uh, Tuchel has in store for him in the summer. Uh, with Billy Gilmore still in the loop and uh, other guys in there. Kovacic has been absolutely just out of the team. He He's coming off the bench, uh, but he hasn't made any starts, really. But uh, I don't know. It, it, we have such a deep squad that if one guy could go out for four to five weeks, you never see or hear from him, and then he'll be back in the team for a week and absolutely just show why he deserves to be at the club. That's just how deep the team is and is why we always will be a top-four contender. But yeah, I'm happy with the result. Uh, obviously upset with the FA Cup match. I did see a stat the other day. I don't I don't put much into this stat because you can take a few of these results out. But uh, out of the last 11 uh, cup finals that Chelsea have been in, we've lost eight, which uh, which is this is including three Community Shield, uh, like the Community Shield games, which I don't really count, but. Yeah, we've lost. We've lost our last two FA Cup final appearances. Um, 
I think we lost in the Europa League one time. Uh, like I said, the three Community Shields, and then before that, a couple other FA Cups. So we 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 do make good deep cup runs. It just comes down to being clutch in the end, which is just something we're struggling at right now. And I'm not I'm not very excited with that stat heading into a Champions League final uh, against probably one of the top three clubs in Europe right now. So very, very stressful going into that match next weekend. But uh, a lot of things looking forward to, though, with the form the guys are in. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Sorry, I'm getting these games back up. I lost my spot. Um, we have Everton 1, Wolves 0. Everton bounced back after that horrible performance against Sheffield. Richarlison, or Richard as I like to call him, got himself <laughs> on the scoreboard. <clears throat> Good performance from Everton. They looked better. Um, still not great. I mean, Wolves dominated the possession. Not something you see a lot. Um, kind of a team that are always playing from behind. Um, but, you know, a decent result for Everton. Not much to read into here. Um, we're really in that, that point of the season where games like this just simply don't matter for anything. Um, so we'll move on uh, to Newcastle 1. Joe Willick again. I mean, this guy. This guy fucks. Six and six. This guy, six and six. this guy fucks so hard. We need him back so bad. I hope that he can continue this for, for Arsenal. I mean, I know he won't. I just know he won't. But it would be absolutely excellent. This has been in a your- fantastic loan spell for him. In your formation, where would he slide in? I have no idea. I don't even would, know. Would he play in like the attacking mid role, or would he slide into one of those holding mid roles? Because you guys play a four-two-three-one. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing we were talking about the other day. Your brother asked me if he thought we would sign Odegaard, and if actually we're going to recall Willock and not sell him, I think I'd be content with with him sliding into where Odegaard was playing, and whether he and Smith Rowe kind of you know alternate. Uh, and not, you know, they're not both in at the same time or what. Um, or whether they switch the formation up or one of them plays more of a holding mid-roll, I think that could work too. So it's all about, uh, I don't see Arsenal retaining Willock and retaining Odegaard. I think they'll pick one. And I think it'll be harder for Willock to come back into this side because the talent level is higher. Is a big, is a big jump up, so it'll be interesting to see how he gels with them because he's not going to be one of the big stars. Like how he is in Newcastle right now, it's you're going to be behind the likes of Pepe, Aubameyang, Saka's made a name for himself now. Smith Rowe is getting up there. Yeah, you have, you have Partey in there holding it down. So it's going to be interesting to see how he can make one of those spots his own. Yeah, and I am a little bit worried. Uh, I guess that's a good point. I am a little bit worried about how he would gel into this team because Arsenal have kind of found their stride, and although the the results aren't necessarily t- uh, that telling of that. Um, I think they are playing as a more cohesive unit, so that could be that could be a problem. You're right. Uh, that's an interesting thing to consider. Um, but yeah, good result for Newcastle, one uh, nil to to them, and Sheffield down bad. Of course, that's where they belong. Down horrific, actually. Uh, next one, Tottenham one, Aston Villa two. Oh, Bergwin opened the scoring in the eighth with a goal, and then Regulon scored in own goal. That drew Villa even. Ollie Watkins did get himself on the score sheet here. Obviously, we were talking about earlier how things kind of dried up for him. Um, but he did get himself one here to seal the victory for Aston Villa. Villa with a dominant side here. Um, while Spurs controlled possession, Villa had many more shots. 
um, and really just look to be sharper in that final third, which is ultimately where it mattered for this game. Uh, four shots on target for both sides, um, but Villa were were pretty clinical. Um, that own goal really, really challenging for Tottenham. Um, Reguilón's been one of their better defenders this season, so that was disappointing to see from him, but everybody has a slip-up every once and again. Uh, not a great, not a fantastic lineup for Tottenham, but I think they're resting some of their guys, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, this was a great result for Villa. Uh, very, very bad timing for Spurs. As I said earlier in the show, I think Arsenal, Arsenal are in the best form right now out of any club in the league. Uh, in their last four matches, Arsenal have won four straight results, which is the best out of any team. Leeds right behind them with three. Uh, Liverpool's on level with them as four in a row as well. So they're up there in the form. But um, yeah, uh, Spurs not really looking that good. Harry Kane, they have the Harry Kane rumors going around. Yeah. Um, and I, like you said earlier, Lucas has not been getting minutes uh, as much through Ryan Mason. I don't know why. He definitely deserves to play in there more than Deli Alley. In my opinion, I think he adds yeah. more flair and more, more, more pace into that side. So, <laughs> uh, I think uh, Steven Bergwin scoring was the first time he scored a goal in eleven months. I think for the club, which is something nice to see for him to break. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, a a very boring result uh, overall. Really, it didn't affect anything uh, for Aston Villa. They're going to finish fin eleventh at the end of the day, and Spurs. It's just they're making the. They're making the last game of the season a heart a heart gonna be very, very close. Yeah. We'll have to see how things pan out there. Um, uh, but we'll move on to a good performance from my boys. Pepe getting himself two in this one. He opened the scoring in the thirty-fifth, then managed to get another for himself in the ninety-fifth. Uh, in between those two goals was two other goals. Benteke got himself one in the sixty-second, which actually drew Palace level. Um, and then two goals, that one I mentioned by Pepe in the 95th, and then another by Martinelli in the 91st. So the two paciest guys we have on the team managed to get themselves some goals here. Really, really good result for Arsenal. Nice to see them battle back, get two goals in crunch time. I think that's that's really kind of what I want to see because they struggle so much in crunch time, typically even against, uh, you know, <clears throat> shittier teams, which I would classify Palace as a shittier team. Um, so I was really happy to see this. Pepe really kind of finding his form, finding his footing um, in this late part of the season. He was all right in Europa League uh, most of the season, but he's been he's been solid the past few weeks in the Prem. So that's great to see. This was a really nice lineup. I mean, Arsenal just got to shore up that defense a little bit, and I think that they could have a really, really solid side. Uh, Aubameyang, we need to get him firing on all cylinders again. But once we get that going, I'm really happy with the midfield, the wingers, um, and our defensive midfield, uh, as long as we can keep Partey healthy and maybe shore it up a little bit. But Elneny's been all right this season. Yeah, I think if Arsenal miss out on European football next season, I think they can make a strong case to finish in the top five next season. Yeah. Uh, if they can keep all their guys uh Pepe now has eight goals this season. I think a crazier thing was I saw Benteke in that match score his 10th of the season in the Premier League, which is something we haven't seen in a while since his Aston Villa days when he was popping off there, uh, just scoring week after week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Arsenal here sitting 9-3 and now they get a win, could finish as high as 7th. 
which would be very nice to see. And obviously, if they would finish above Spurs, keeping that that alive and bragging rights even, because I'm sure that's a competition in itself. But um, yeah, I mean, nice result for Arsenal here. Nothing really else to say. Yeah. All right. Moving on, we have two more games, and then we'll get into our final predictions, which we'll run through because this one's kind of running long. Uh, we have Burnley nil, Liverpool three. An expected result. This is what we we thought. Um, Firmino scored in the 43rd. Nat Phillips in the 52nd. I think that is his first Premier League goal, if I'm not mistaken. And then Ox, a name that I've been become unfamiliar with because I haven't seen him play in so long, scored in the 88th. So some, of <coughs> excuse me, I'm fucked. Some of those rotation players, um, getting some time here. Good to see Ox on the score sheet. One of my beloved players from the past. Um. Really flat lineup from Burnley. This is how they play. Uh, four in the back, another four in front, and then one and one. Brownhill kind of playing like a false nine, which is just, why are you playing a false nine, Burnley? What are you fucking doing? Um, and then <clears throat> you had a really full strength uh, Liverpool lineup for the most part, besides Nat Phillips. Um, although he's gotten a ton of time, you know, this season because of the center back injuries that they've had, but a great result. I mean, really, really nice for uh, for Liverpool. Good to see that they're they're keeping themselves strong in this this really end finish part of the season. And Burnley, you know, they're up, they're safe, so they're not playing for anything. I saw a crazy stat for particularly about Fabinho in the Liverpool side. It says. Uh... In the last nine matches that he's been playing, uh, in these when he was placed in the central defensive mid role, they've earned twenty three out of twenty seven points. Wow! And in those four those four points that they lost, uh, they had to slide him back to center back. So when he's in that midfield, Arsenal or Liverpool are a very very strong team uh, defensively. He's a very nice safety blanket to have in front of your defenders there. Yeah. Um, yeah, signature win here for Liverpool to keep it, the momentum going into the final week. They're in the driver's seat. They hold their own fate in their hands. As long as they can get a win, there's nothing anybody can do. They will finish fourth, uh, depending on if Chelsea win or not. They could finish as high as third. Wow. So, Yeah, that's interesting, actually. Um, that's, that's a crazy stat. Um, but we'll move on. Uh, West Brom 1, West Ham 3. So in the Battle of the Wests, Ham were the ones to come out on top. Suchek, another name that we've become unfamiliar with. Haven't seen his name in the scoring much since Lingard took over. He scored in the... Oh, hold on. Pereira scored first in this game. He mm -hmm. took West Brom ahead, and then uh, West Ham dominance uh, prevailed. Suchek scored in the 45th, stoppage time actually. Ogbonna in the 82nd, and Mikhail Antonio in the 88th. A lot of late goals this uh, this week. I think you, we saw a lot of that. Really, yeah. really strong performance from West Ham. Tough first half, but really strong second. 21 shots on target to West Brom's 14. Nine to their four shots on target. And then although they did lack in possession, um, they did much more with the ball than West Brom ever could even hope to do. Um, so really, really strong result for West Ham. Good to see that. They're vying for some for a European spot, so um, they're definitely gonna you know get that that European football. I don't know whether it's gonna be Europa League or Champions League. It's looking like it's gonna be Europa League, um, but but a really good performance. It'll be interesting to see how Moisey and the boys uh, line up against some of those European clubs next season. 
Yeah, mathematically, West Ham can't finish anywhere above where they are in sixth. They're four points behind Leicester in fifth. Uh, so that's the highest thing go is sixth. Hopefully, uh, a European spot trickles down to them through through the FA Cup with Leicester if they can finish top four, like we said, I think, last week or the week before with how the rules and ruling works. But there was a certain time in the game where I thought West Brom could get the result here and West Ham could collapse. And if they ended with a loss here, they'd be... They'd be uh, level with Tottenham, uh, actually behind them in seventh on goal differential, which would open a, a lot of things for for uh, Everton, Tottenham, and Arsenal to finish as high as sixth, which would be even crazier. But they did secure the win against a team they definitely needed to beat. I did see that Big Sam is leaving the club after the after the final game. Yeah, which yeah. is slimy because he's, he's not going to go to the championship. He's only about that Premier League payday. Which I kind of don't blame, but at the same time, it's kind of scummy yeah. just to come in in January or December and then not do what you were brought in to do. So, kind of seen as a fraud. But uh, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Uh, but yeah, West Ham getting a much needed three points gets some get a morale boost going into this final week where everything rides. Yeah. All right. Well, that concludes our. That's not our final recap of the uh of the 2020 slash 2021 season we have one more next week um but that's the the second to last um we'll, we'll get into our our previews really quick here to uh top everything off we have a couple really uh interesting games things that i think could pan out the other way we have leicester city versus tottenham on Sunday, May 23rd at 11 a.m., this game is at the King Power, where Leicester City were the ones to lift the FA Cup. I think that matters. I think Leicester are the ones who come out victorious here. Tottenham down bad, fans down bad, Levy down bad, Harry Kane down horrendous. Uh, these guys are are just down. Um, I know that their results have been all right in the past couple weeks, but I think the uh, I think the news of Kane kind of moving on. Uh, is going to be weighing pretty heavy on them, and I think Leicester capitalize on that and get themselves a win. Yeah, I don't see a clear winner here just from my gut. I think it's going to end in a draw. Uh, pretty poor from both teams in the end. I think things are going to look better for Arsenal at the end of the day. I definitely have strong feelings that Arsenal are going to feel finish above Spurs. That's why I'm saying that Tottenham is going to draw here. But, yeah, it's hard to see. I mean, Harry Kane's mind might not be in the right headspace here, and. I think Ryan Mason, as the manager, isn't going to make the right decisions here in the lineup, and he's going to be tactically out of out of his out of the field or get blown out of the water by Brendan Rodgers, who's had an incredible season with Leicester. And I mean, there are rumors that he might leave, but I don't see why he's done such a good job at Leicester, and they are a top six club, pretty much. Uh, I think they've established themselves and made their na- made their uh, name known in the Premier League if, for that area in the table, but. Yeah, I do see this ending in a draw, though. Okay. All right, interesting. So we're uh, we're split on that one. Next one, we have Wolves versus Manchester United. Wolves suck. I'm with United. Yeah, Wolves <laughs> the last couple of weeks has kind of been a punching bag, and uh, it, is, it is home for Wolves, and Wolves' home record this season is is kind of in the mid-table. They do, they do play better at home than they are away, uh, whereas United are a better team on the road. They still have not lost a match away this season, 11 wins, 7 draws. I think they carry that on and get a win here. Okay. <clears throat> we have West Ham versus Southampton next. 
while West or while Southampton have two decent results in a row, I'm going with West Ham in this one. Yeah, the last time these guys played was around uh, December, end of the year. Uh, ended in a nil-nil draw. Um, I do see West Ham, uh, or actually, I do see Southampton kind of playing better right now. Uh, even though West Ham do have the win, um, Southampton do can or they Southampton can have good moments here, especially on set pieces. I think they actually both teams do pretty well on set set pieces. Uh, Suchek that last game scored his tenth of the season. Uh, we know Ward Prowse is probably one of the best uh, free kick takers in the Prem currently. Uh, and also they have a few other good guys going forward. I did mention Che Adams is in decent form. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do see West Ham pulling out the result and securing that sixth place position. Okay. Uh, what we have next? Sheffield and Burnley. Like I said, this is a shit fest. <laughs> I said this earlier. This is a shit fest. It is horrible. But I'm with Burnley. I mean, Sheffield are just, they're worse. They're worse, for sure. I have to go with Burnley here just for the fact that Sheffield get the record of 30 losses in a season. I, did, I think it has to happen. All right, cool. Uh, Okay. Next one, Fulham, Newcastle. Oh, I could see this game going either way. Now I'm like, do I want to go with my boy Joe? I think he'll yeah, get he the start. Yeah, he has to score. He has to score. Yeah, seven and seven. I mean, seven's a lucky number. That would be fucking sick. I'm going with I'm going with Big Joe. I think Newcastle won this one. Not Joe Biden, Joe Willock. <laughs> big Newcastle. Joe. Yeah, Big Joe. Sleepy Joe. This match is at Fulham, and Fulham are the worst team at home, only picking up two wins. Uh, whereas Newcastle, on the other hand, are pretty poor away, only picking up five wins. So it's going to be very... Very poor form for both sides here, but Newcastle are the side in better form um, compared to Fulham, who haven't won a match in about eight weeks. So I, it, it, it heart, disheartens me to go against them, but I think Newcastle win it uh, at the end of the day here. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, Newcastle, I think, for sure. Uh, next one we have is Leeds versus West Brom. A lot of these are clear-cut for me. I don't see West Brom contending in this game. I think Leeds continue their form. They got two in a row here. Uh, actually, I think they have three in a row, so we'll make yeah. this one four. Uh, I think Leeds win. Yeah, the last time these guys played, Leeds won 5 nothing pretty convincingly. I don't see it being any different. I think Leeds are going to fire off on all cylinders and show that they will be a force to be reckoned with next season. All right, cool. Uh, we're seeing the, seeing the same uh, same reads here. I think. For the most I mean, it's part. it's 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 hard to say anything good about West Brom with what yeah, they're doing now. No, they're frauds. Uh, so the next one we have is Arsenal Brighton. Now, this one I think could be interesting. Brighton do have a draw and a win in their last two, but Arsenal have four wins on the bounce. I think they make it five, finish the season strong, which they did last season. I think we're looking at kind of a mirror performance. And uh, I'm going to bet with my boys. Can't bet against them. think they do it. Um, Arsenal are kind of even playing at home. Seven wins, seven seven losses, whereas away they do a lot better. Yeah. Uh, Brighton are a better road team than home. Uh, earlier on, Brighton were only drawing at home. Uh, but they do play better on the road. I think it's going to be a very tactical match here. It's going to be close. Um, Arsenal will definitely have more possession of the ball. It's, I think it's going to come down to set pieces in the end of the day here uh, with all the height that Brighton has. and with Arsenal having to deal with them on defense. But I think it's going to be a close match, and I do think Arsenal are going to get the win here to end on a five in a row. All right. Awesome. Um, 
Next one we have is Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Uh, Aston Villa look really shitty the past couple weeks. I think I'd kind of be remiss in not taking Chelsea here, so I'm not going to second-guess myself, and I'm going to go with Chelsea. Yeah, I have to go with my boys. Last time we played, it was a 1-1 draw. Yep. Uh, this match will be played at uh, Villa Park. Uh, Villa playing at home this season. Uh, are sitting 14th in form, whereas they play a lot better away. Uh, Chelsea are not as good on the road, but with what's on the line, top, securing top four, uh, even if we draw, it's not going to be good enough because one or at least two of the other teams below us, being Liverpool and Leicester, will definitely pick up results yeah. on the news of us dropping points. So I definitely do think Tuchel's going to get the boys up for this, and I, I think Timo's definitely going to score in here to go into that Champions League final on the best form he can possibly be in. So I'm going to back the boys in blue. Lovely. That sounds good to me. Uh, next one we have is Manchester City versus Everton. Earlier on in the season, I might tell you this game would be good. At this point in the season, I'm going to tell you it's going to be a slaughter. And I think City come out on top. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a team. I don't know if they're going to come full force because uh, they'll have a full week of rest before the match next Saturday in the in uh, in Portugal. But um, yeah, I have to go with City here. I, don't, I mean, Everton's been looking poor. That's the hard thing about Everton is uh, the matches at the Etihad and City have lost four matches at home, uh, whereas Everton on the road are absolutely on fire, 11-4-3, even with their team that they have with injuries and whatnot. Um, that You could see an upset here, Yeah, but um, I think Man City are going to win at the end of the day here. Okay, cool. And the last game of the season... Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. What an unceremonious way to end the season. Um, uh, I guess Liverpool. I mean, I want really to say Palace. I don't. I kind of just want to say Palace for the memes. I, I kind of got a feeling in my gut, but uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool. My brain's telling me Liverpool. The last time they played was the absolutely insane 7-0 win at Crystal Palace. Oh, yeah. We'll be at Anfield, and there will be fans there. So I think at the end of the day, with the fan support uh, behind them, I think Liverpool win this match, uh, sending Roy Hodgson out of uh, his out of his job with a fat L. All right, cool. Yeah, I think that's okay. I'm with you. I think Liverpool win. All right, guys, that is the last recap, or the last preview of the season. Uh, you're going to be getting some more previews in terms of Euro and stuff like that. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, Post 20 is going to undergo some changes. We're going to get back to some, some I think, probably regular news, some other sports news, going to have some other conversations. So it'll be really interesting. Um, and I was, we were talking, Matt and I, uh, upload date probably not going to change. When we record might change a little bit with both of us kind of getting, well, Matt's been in full swing with work, but it's only going to get busier for him. Um, and then I am obviously getting back to work as well. So things will start to get busier. Um, not going to have maybe the same-ish schedules as we have had, um, but you guys should still get the episodes uh, on Thursday. So don't worry about that. We'll make sure we get everything out to you guys, and our hustle for the game will continue. Uh, but that's it. Make sure you guys check us out on social media, at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. I've been uh, a little bit more interactive on Twitter these days 
Uh, the PGA is going on right now, so I'm watching that, tweeting about that. Um, and yeah, uh, make sure you guys check us out. Like us on uh, those social media platforms as well as the audio platforms and one YouTube as well at Post 20 Pods. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody on the street who's going to listen to you. Uh, Got to get those numbers up. We're, we're around those rookie numbers right now. Um, yeah. But but yeah, thank you guys for all watching. Matt, is there anything else for you? Yeah, next week's episode is kind of going to recap the final uh, championship Sunday and kind of we're going to review each team and uh, their season overall and where things kind of went wrong or maybe where things went right. So it should be a very, uh, very thorough, in-depth uh, review of each team and where they can improve on for the following season. So, yeah, other than that, uh, thank you guys so much for watching slash listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care.